well, today we also have another special guest, uh, David Laughlin, and his wife and kids will be here tonight, but David's the only one this morning. Uh, this is his third time with us. He's fantastic. does a wonderful job. Uh, he's an illusionist, and um, he presents uh, the gospel and biblical truths through creative ways. And his first illusion today is that he's made my sermon disappear. <laughs> it's, it's gone, okay? They clapped in the middle service, too. The first service did not. They're my favorites. So they're good people. So, so anyhow, let's welcome David. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Well, it is definitely a privilege to be able to be here with you guys today. I'm super excited for all that is going to happen. Um, as Pastor Doug said, uh, some of the things I do are, are slightly different, a little bit unusual. You know, I do believe that it is fun to live for Jesus. And so if it's okay with you guys, we're going to have a little fun today. But at the same time, of course, be focused on that message of Jesus. You know, there's a story from the Bible about a person who is blind. That's right, somebody who could not see, a person who was blind. Now you can imagine that that long ago, that person must have had something, probably not a fancy cane like this, but something to tap along the ground so as they walked, they wouldn't trip and fall over things. Well, one day somebody did something a little bit strange. They knelt down and they spit in the dirt like this. (laughs) Probably not exactly what you were expecting to see up here, right? And you know what? Maybe it wasn't exactly what that person was expecting either. It was a strange thing to do, and it began to get more strange from there as they took the mud they had created, rubbed it together, and placed it over that blind person's eyes. Now, if somebody were to spit in the dirt and rub it in my eyes, it would not make me very happy. But this person was about to be extremely happy because something incredible was about to happen. You see, when that mud was wiped away, that person who was blind could see. And the incredible thing was that at that point, they no longer needed a cane or a walking stick of any kind because the one who touched and healed his eyes, that person was, well, that person was Jesus Christ. And just like Jesus changed, touched, and healed his life and his eyes all those years ago, we believe Jesus still does the same today. In fact, that's why we're here and that's worth clapping your hands about, don't you think? Well, it is definitely a great privilege to be here with you guys today. As you heard, tonight at 6.30, my entire family will be back here with me. My wife and I have four kids, an eight-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy, and a one-year-old girl. So um, they all keep us on our toes, that is for sure. And tonight we'll be back here tonight. We'll have some interesting and unusual things happening, things floating in the air, people kind of being split apart and kind of crazy things like that. So we hope you guys will come back. But this morning I hope to have some fun as well. You see, as we travel and do these things, one thing I always like to explain is that everything we do is just an illusion. See, we believe in miracles, but I don't do miracles. God does miracles. What I do are just tricks, just illusions. So I want to explain that real quick, just to be clear. So let me check how many of you know what an illusion is. Okay, how many of you are not really sure what an illusion is? And how many of you didn't raise your hand for one of those questions? Well, it's really kind of simple. You see, sometimes we think we're seeing things that we're not actually seeing, and sometimes we don't see things that we really are seeing. Any of those times that you do see what you don't see, that you don't see what you do see, that is an illusion. 
which maybe didn't clear that up. So let me bring something else. You see, I brought along this card to help me explain. On the front side of the card, there are one, two, three, four, five, six spots. On the back side of the card, there are three spots. Just as a heads up, this is also a memory test. You have to remember the first side has six. The second has three. Now, on the third side of the card, there are four spots. So don't forget about that part. And on the fourth side of the card, there's one spot. Does this all make sense? Real quick, just to review, six on the first side, three on the other, four on the other, and one on the other. But of course, this is just an illusion. In fact, I'll explain. You see, when I hold on to the card like this and I tell you there are six spots on that side of the card, something happens. What happens is your mind tells your eye that there must be a spot under my hand. But guess what? There really isn't a spot there. But if I put my hand here and tell you there are six, you might think there are six. If I cover up the spot and say there are four, you might think there are four. Do you guys see how that works? Yeah, so if I cover up this part and I say there are six spots on that side of the card, that is what I call an illusion. And that's what all of you call lying. But now you know the truth. Like that, it looks like six. Like that, it looks like four. On the other side of the card, it might look like three. But how many are there really? You guys are quick. There are just two. Like that, it looks like three. Like that, it looks like one. Does this make sense? Okay, just to review, how many spots on this side of the card? Do you remember? Right, five spots on that side of the card. Although at times your mind may tell your eyes that it looks like there are six spots. On the other side of the card, I might tell you there are three I wouldn't want to lie. There are three spots on that side of the card. Is this making any sense to you guys? You know, it does not make a lot of sense to me either. But one thing I have figured out is that the more I turn the card around, the more people see spots. And occasionally they even clap their hands when they see that for whatever reason. You know, we need to try something this morning. It's going to be a little bit different because I'm going to need some people to help me out. So right now... I need a volunteer. You know, we have uh, some fantastic volunteers here. I'm going to come back to one of you guys in a minute. But I just noticed that some of the adults back here, when I said I needed a volunteer, they were so excited. They were just hoping maybe, maybe I would choose one of them. Now, some of them played the game where they uh, look at the carpet and pretend that if they don't make eye contact, I cannot see them. But it does not work that way. In fact, we're going to try something. Would you like to help me with this? Sure. Sure. I love the confidence. What is your name? Carrie. Carrie? I'm David. Come on up this way with me if you would, please, Carrie. Carrie, great to have you up here. Could you all please give the amazing Carrie a round of applause? You can join me right over here, Carrie. Now, Carrie, I am so thankful you came up here to help me. Um, we're going to have a little, play a little game. Um, it involves a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I brought along a quarter. Exciting, I know. Now, we're going to play a game with this quarter, and uh, well, here's what's going to happen. Uh, Carrie, in a moment, I'm going to have you take the quarter, and what you'll do is place it behind your back. Now, when it's behind your back, I want you to bring your hands back out. What you'll have done is hide the quarter in either your right hand or your left hand. Now, my job is to try to figure out where the quarter is. So again, she'll place her hands behind her back. It could be in your right hand. It could be in your left hand. I try to guess. Now, sometimes I guess right. Sometimes I guess wrong. That's the way this works. But today I'm feeling confident that I can guess correctly. In fact, take the quarter. Um, I'm going to see if I can guess correctly, not just once or twice, but actually four times in a row. Now, again, sometimes this works, sometimes it does not. Today, I feel like I could do it. Um, And if I can guess four times in a row, 
then I get to keep this $20 bill. But Carrie, correct? If I mess up even one time, you get the $20 bill. And they'll all wish they volunteered. So, Carrie, here's what we're going to do. I'll set the $20 bill right there. Uh, what I want you to do is bring your hands back out in front of you whenever you're ready. You'll have one hand with the object inside. The other one will be empty. So whenever you're ready, bring your hands out in front of you like this. Face me, if you would, please, Carrie. Perfect. Now, what I want you guys to do is just try to guess from where you're at. Maybe take advantage of some of the cues that Carrie might be giving. We all give verbal, nonverbal cues, things like that. So right now, Carrie is even, either holding the object in her right hand or her left hand. So, Carrie, um, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you left-handed or are you right-handed? Right-handed. right-handed. Now, here's very interesting the, the first thing I'm going to try, uh, the first two services, the people that helped me with this were both right-handed as well. And what both of them did is they put the object in their dominant hand, their right hand. So I'm just going to kind of go with the trend of the day and just think that if you're right-handed, then you also started out like most people would by placing it in your right hand. So that's my first guess, Carrie, is I think you have the quarter in this hand. Would you turn over that hand Open it up and let's show them. Yes, that's where the quarter was right there. Now, that part's easy, Carrie. That part's easy. Um, it's really just kind of a guess. So I have to get four out of four. That's only one. So take that back. And what I want you to do is place them behind your back. Now, at this point, Carrie starts really thinking through this. Last time, if I just had to ask a question, are you right or left-handed? And that gave it away. What am I going to do this time? So, Carrie, bring your hands out in front of you if you would. And now here's where it gets a little complicated. Now, what some people do, in fact, what both the people this morning have done is they started with it in their dominant hand, their right hand. And then when I asked them again, um, they kept it in that same hand, in their right hand. Now, Carrie, I have no idea what you would do, but just look at me. In fact, come just a little bit closer. Um, You could have kept it in your right hand or you could have moved it to your left hand. Interesting how these things kind of happen. I'm just going to guess that you still have it in your right hand. So, Carrie, turn over that hand, open it up, and let's show them that it is there one more time. Now, it really is interesting, the psychological things that people do. Um, Some of your pastors have been here for three services, and they've seen everybody do the exact same thing. You see, it's interesting how maybe things can be influencing us when we don't even realize. So, Carrie, I'm wondering what you're going to do this time. So, take the quarter. Um, So far, we're two out of two. And I can tell you what both the other people did last time. Um, Both of them about this time were thinking what you're thinking, and that is maybe I can sneak the quarter into a pocket or something and really trick him. That's against the rules. So, it has to be in one of your hands. So, bring your hands out in front of you whenever you're ready, Carrie. And um, perfect. So here's what happens, Carrie. I'm going to tell you one of the things that I sometimes look for. When people bring their hands out like this, um, again, the first two times, if you guys remember, Carrie, you had it in your right hand. And so now this time, are you going to keep it in your right hand or is she finally going to move it to her left hand? Now, it's kind of strange what people do. This morning, I'm going to tell you what both people did. Both people started with it in their right hand. The second time they had it in their right hand. The third time they kept it in their right hand. Now, Carrie, I want you to turn and face everybody out like this. Uh, Keep your fists closed. See, there's a really interesting thing, though, that people do. Take a look at Carrie's fists for just a minute. See, one of the things that happens is we often subconsciously 
if we're hiding something, we, we lower it like this, right? Like, cause if I wanted to show you guys all something, I would raise it really high in the air like this. And if I didn't want you to see it, I'd kind of hold it down like this. And so when Carrie first turned around and when she first looked at you guys, she maybe has changed it now as she knows what I'm thinking. Uh, one of her hands was slightly lower than the other one. And I think it was your left hand that was a little bit lower. So I actually think you bucked the trend of this today. And um, instead of keeping it in your right hand, I'm guessing that this time you switched it over to your left hand. I think the quarter is right over there. Will you go ahead and turn over your hand, open it up, and show them three for three. That is where the quarter is. So, Carrie, you're good. You switch it up. You really make me think. But the, the goal is four out of four. So three is good. Four would be better. Go ahead and take that back if you would. Now, Carrie, remember, there is $20 on the line. All you have to do is fool me one time. You're trying. You're trying. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That could be the problem, actually. But that's okay. Um, Carrie, what I want you to do is one more time. Place the quarter behind your back. When you're ready, bring your hands back out in front of you. Carrie, we're going to do it different this time. You see, one of the things that all of us do is we have these ways that we sometimes um, let people know what's really happening, even, even when we don't want to. And so bring your hands out in front of you like this. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, Carrie. I mean, that's really thinking. Right hand, right hand, left hand, left hand, left hand, right hand. What should I do? That's great, Carrie. Now, whatever you want to do, um, are you, yeah, make sure they're even. Perfect, perfect. Carrie, we're going to do something totally different this time. Um, here's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to kind of look back at what you've done so far. The first two times that I asked you, is it, uh, or I, I didn't ask you, all I did was ask you to put it in your right or left hand. Both times you had it in your right hand. Then the last time you moved it to your left hand. And so this time, it's kind of what's going to happen. Are you going to do two times in a row your right hand, two times your left hand, or switch it back to your right hand? So we're going to try something totally different this time. In fact, Carrie, what I'm going to do is just ask you a question. In fact, I'm going to ask you two questions, but I want you to give me only one answer. Your answer will be the word yes. So what this looks like is this. Carrie, I'm going to ask you the question, is the quarter in your right hand? And when I do, I want you to say yes. And then when I say, is the quarter in your left hand? I want you to say yes. So one time she'll be telling the truth. One time she'll be lying. But I gave you permission. It's okay. It's part of the game. And so um, I do this with my kids to figure out when they're telling me the truth. It's awesome. (laughs) So Carrie, is the quarter in your right hand? Carrie, is the quarter in your left hand? Yes. Carrie, you are a bad liar. It is still in your right hand right here. Turn that over one more time and let's hopefully show them four out of four. But Carrie, you are still fantastic playing the game. Thank you for helping me. Could you all please give Carrie another big round of applause? You know, it's a fun game. It's an interesting game. Here's the thing about the game. Carrie really didn't know what the right answer was. I I asked her just to make a choice. Put it in either your right hand or your left hand. It's up to you. You choose. But she didn't know what the right answer was. Sometimes in life, we have to make choices, and there's not really a right answer. Chocolate or vanilla? In that situation, there is a right answer. It's chocolate. But sometimes there's not really a right answer. I mean, unless it's ice cream, then it's vanilla. Obviously, there really isn't a right answer. Sometimes there's not a right answer. Sometimes we just don't know what the right answer is. If I had told Carrie, I'm going to guess your right hand first if you're right-handed, then she wouldn't have put it there. She would have put it in her left hand. You see, sometimes we don't know what the right answer is, but we have to make a choice. Now, other times in life, 
We know what the right choice is, but we struggle making the right choice. You see, sometimes the right thing is pretty clear. We just don't do it. In fact, often we face choices day after day after day. Today I want you to, if you have your Bibles, to uh, open up. We're going to start kind of in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. You see, there's an interesting thing that has happened. Um, Before I read this passage, I'm going to tell you about something that happened 40 years before what happened in this passage. And that is this. The Israelites were given by Moses who came down from Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments at this point were just kind of a list of do's and don'ts. In other words, they were told when you make some choices in your life, you're going to know ahead of time if it's right or wrong. Do these things. Do not do these things. This is right. This is wrong. So choose the right thing. Follow the commandments. It was just kind of a list of right and wrongs. But here's something new is about to happen. Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 4. He begins by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He's just kind of building the framework of what he's going to talk about, saying, Hey, we're going to talk about the Lord and who he is. That's what this is all about. But at this point, we're introduced to something for the first time in Scripture that was probably very profound for these people. Because for the last 40 years, from what we've seen, all they've really known is they had this command. These Ten Commandments, these things are right, these things are wrong. But here's this new thing that is added. And it says in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you are to impress upon your heart, are to be upon your hearts. You see, the thing is, what he's adding to this is saying, you know what? Yes, there are some times that we need to choose between right and wrong. But when you do... When you follow these commandments you've been given, don't just do it because I've told you you have to. But what we really need to do is seek to have an attitude in a heart that loves God. And to say, I want to follow these commandments because I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not because I have to, but because it is my desire to live my life and follow and be obedient to Him. You see, that's what we're kind of given as that framework. If we live this life of love, then we would make these choices not because we have to, but because it's truly our heart's desire. See, every now and then in life, we have to choose how we're going to live our life. In fact, uh, this morning, you know what? I better have somebody else come from down here help me out. Now, I I need somebody who's able to make a good choice, which is probably all of you guys, I'm sure. So let me see uh, some fantastic volunteers. Do you want to help me right here? Yes, please come on up this way. If you would, please make your way all the way up to the front. You will be perfect. What is your name? Katie. Katie, I'm David. Great to have you up here. Everybody, please clap your hands for Katie. Katie, I'm so happy that you came up here to help me. Um, I'd like to give you something. Thankfully, I still have a quarter. Katie, this is for you for helping me out. Now, I want you to take that quarter... But today, Katie, this quarter is going to be a very special quarter, a very different quarter. This quarter is going to represent your life. Now, hold on. Katie's life is worth way more than a quarter, right? In fact, Katie, even if I had all the money in the world, I would not have enough to tell you how valuable your life is. Your life is an incredible treasure. And so this quarter, I want to be something super special. It represents your life. So take this marker, if you would, Katie, and I want you to put your initials or a smiley face. Just do something to the quarter, head side, tail side, both sides, whatever you want to do, just so that we can all know 
This is Katie's quarter. This quarter is about to be marked in a way that makes it different than any other quarter in the world. I'll take the marker back. Let's go ahead and look. You put your initials KM on the head side of the quarter. Let's recap. Just to recap, Katie has taken the marker and she has placed her initials KM on the head side of the quarter. Remember, Katie, this quarter is going to represent your life. God has given you some amazing gifts, some amazing talents, some amazing treasure is your life. And so take that quarter back if you would, please. You see, here's the thing. Every single one of us, God has given us different gifts, different abilities, things that he has done in our life. But we all have a choice of how we're going to live our life. You see, we hear those commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we need to choose to follow God, choose to live for Him. But sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. See, our life is our treasure. So today, Katie, go ahead and place your quarter inside this little treasure chest. Perfect. You see, sometimes what we think is, this is my life. And if it's my life, why would I do things God's way if it's my life? Right? I want to live my life my way. And these rules, these commandments that God has given me, I shouldn't have to follow them if I don't want to. I should do what I want to do. And if God says don't do it, but I want to do it, I should do it. And if he says do it and I don't want to, I don't have to. We have a choice. Some people say that. They say, this is my life. So I'm going to live my life my way. Other people say, you know what, maybe God does know what's best for our life. And so maybe instead of living life our own selfish way, we should follow God's plan for our life. So, Katie, today you're going to have a choice. Remember, this quarter is going to represent your life. Now, back here, I have a bag. Now, inside this bag is something kind of unusual. I won't tell you exactly what it is yet. But what I will tell you, Katie, is that what's inside this bag is something that's going to help us think of God's plan for your life. So, Katie, come up here with me for just a minute. I want you to think about this for just a minute. I I can't tell you. It could just be an empty bag. Could be. But Katie, you're going to have a choice today. You see, your choice is this. You may keep your quarter. And if you do that, be like saying, my life, I'll live it my way. I'll follow my plan. Or you can give up this quarter and trade it instead for what's in that bag. And that'd be like saying, instead of following my own plan, I'm going to give up that. And instead, I'm going to follow God's plan. But if you do that, you don't get this. You get that. You don't get this, you get that. You see, we can't do both. We can't just say, I'm going to live my own life, my own way, my own selfish things. We have to say, whatever you want, God, I will do that. So it's up to you, Katie. Do you want your plan or God's plan? You guys think Katie made a good choice? You see, I think so too, but Katie, unfortunately, not everybody does that. We hear these commandments and we think, oh man, I don't want to have to follow all those rules. And so some people say, I don't need God's plan, I have my own plan. And so some people, they walk through life following their own plan. And the reality is if we don't choose to follow God's plan, then guess what, Katie? You see, if we're not following God's plan, then all those things, those gifts and abilities we've been given, they become pretty worthless. You see, the fact of the matter is that if we're not living life the right way, then we're not really getting the most out of the treasure of life we've been given. But Katie, I'm so glad that you did not choose to try to hold on to that quarter. See, the Bible says he who tries to save his own life will lose it. But you decided to follow God's plan for your life. 
So, Katie, it's time to find out if you made a good decision. It's time to find out what's inside this blue bag. Let's bring it just a little bit closer. Katie, you're going to be excited to see that inside this blue bag is something really amazing. Katie, inside this blue bag is a box. A really funny box. No, but there's something great inside this box. I'm confident of it because um, this is going to help us think of your life, Katie. You gave up your quarter and instead you wanted God's plan for your life. And so let's see what's inside the box, Katie. Inside the box, there is another box. I know it's exciting. Now, Katie, I'm sure there's something good inside this box. You see, you had your quarter that represented your life. You wanted God's plan for your life. So let's find out what's inside this box. Inside this box is another box. Now, here's the thing, Katie. You see, sometimes we choose to follow God's plan. We think maybe that does make sense to follow him, to do what he wants me to do. But then we kind of start going down that road of following Jesus. And we think, wait a minute. I didn't realize I'd still have problems. I didn't realize I'd still get sick. I didn't realize that there'd still be financial difficulties. People begin to wonder, did I really make the right choice? I hope there's something good in there for you. Katie, let's find out what's inside this box. Inside this box. Is another box, Katie. Isn't that awesome? Now, Katie gave up her quarter. Instead of following her own plan, she wanted God's plan. She got what was in the bag. Inside the bag was a box. Inside the box was a box. Inside the box was a box. Katie, inside that box was a box. And inside this box is another box. You see, Katie, we begin to wonder, is this journey really worth it? Is it really going somewhere that I'm going to get something of value out of making this decision? Katie, I am sure there is something exciting inside this box. Let's open it up and see inside the box... It's another box. Katie, you made a choice, and I told you it was a good choice to choose God's plan over your own plan. So let's find out if it really was a good choice. You see, Katie, there's that box. Hopefully it's the last one. Will you go ahead and take that box? Open it up, Katie, and whatever's inside, I want you to dump it out into your hand. Wait a minute, Katie, what do you have? Wait a minute, there's a dollar... Did you say that's the same quarter you just signed a moment ago? Let me check it out. It still has KM right there on the head side. You see, here is the truth. When we do decide to give up our own ways and follow God's plan, we don't lose. That's when he gives our life back to us in a better way. When we find out what life is really all about. Our life, we're given to live for him. And that's when we find the true, tre- true treasures of life. And Katie, for helping me, I want you to keep both of those and all this applause for you too. Let's hear it again for Katie. Thank you, Katie. You can head on back down. You see, the truth is we do get to decide how we're going to live our lives, what we're going to chase after, what we're going to follow. You see, I love to use illusions to hopefully share truth, but the truth is, too, that there are other illusions. You see, sometimes we know the right choice, but we don't make the right choice. We start chasing after other things. See, there are other illusions in this world. Sometimes we fall under the illusion that if we just had more money, then we'd be satisfied. 
If we just had a different job, if we just lived a different place, if we just drove a different car, hung out with the right group of friends, we kind of feel like that, if I just had that, my life would be complete. But then after a while, we achieve those things. You get that promotion. You move to that bigger house. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I thought that my life would all of a sudden change and I'd be complete and I'd be whole and happy. And, and I realize that even though I'm paid a little bit more, I, I think I need just a little bit more. You see, it, it's not quite what you expected it to be. You realize it was just an illusion that those things of life truly don't satisfy us. So what is it that we really need? What is most important? What fills our lives? See, really, it's being able to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when I was a kid, um, I was fairly young. In fact, Katie, how old are you? Nine years old? Yeah, um, Katie, that's exactly how old I was when I was your age. (laughs) Nine years old. And it was about that time when I was eight or nine, somewhere in there, that my mom and dad gave me a magic set. And I remember thinking, this is a box of magic tricks. And quickly realized, they're just tricks. Like, there's always a way that they work. There's nothing kind of special about these things. They're just tricks. And so I, when I learned that and kind of figured out, okay, there's nothing in here that is kind of secret powers or something like that. I thought, I actually have to practice and learn these tricks. And so I would try to do that. And anytime somebody came to my house, I would get super excited and I'd show them the newest trick that I had learned. In fact, when I was a kid, one of the very first tricks that I ever learned was strange because it was a trick with my dad's handkerchief. So what I learned was this. If you take that handkerchief, um, this one's clean, by the way. It's not when anybody's blown their nose in. What you were supposed to do is simply take the handkerchief, stick it down into your hand and squeeze it tightly. And if you did it correctly, it was possible that an illusion could happen. And what was supposed to happen is this. As the handkerchief goes into your hand, that simple white handkerchief was supposed to slowly change to red. Which apparently doesn't amaze you guys at all. (laughs) But as it goes into your hand, it becomes a little bit less white and a little more red and a little less white and a little more red. That was the idea that after a while, it might look as if the entire white handkerchief changed to red just like that. You see, but I was super excited that I got to learn it was just a trick. And, um, you know, I want you guys to know that everything I do is just an illusion. So I'm going to teach you how to do that trick. Is that all right? Okay, this is the color-changing handkerchief trick. To do the trick, you have to have two handkerchiefs. One more important thing. Those two handkerchiefs should be different colors. Or else it is not a very good trick. But you also have to understand how to set this up. So here's how you begin. You begin by hiding one in your hand. Now, you want to do this ahead of time when nobody's paying attention. Does that make sense? People should not see you do this part. Just stick it down into your hand. Sometimes it starts poking out the bottom. Make sure that doesn't happen. Stick it all the way up from the bottom, all the way down from the top. Does this make sense? The goal is to get it completely hidden in your hand. Now, after you push it up from the bottom, down from the top, and have it completely hidden in your hand, the next thing you have to do is simply take the handkerchief and pick up the other one. Okay? So here we go. So you have the red handkerchief over here, the white handkerchief over there. Does this make sense? You guys with me so far? This one is hidden. It's okay if they see this one, but don't let them see this one. So don't open that hand. You guys know why you shouldn't open that hand, right? Why is that? Right. They'd probably see it. I mean, it would fall out on the floor. 
Everybody's going to see it, so do not open this hand, okay? Does that make sense? Just keep it closed. So the red one goes over there, the white one goes over there. If you remember how to set it up, you can do the trick. So now all you have to do is take the red one and poke it down on top of the white one that you just placed in your hand. Some of you guys look a little confused by this. Just remember that ahead of time you put the white one in there. The reason you do that is so that when you push the red one in, all you should have to do is reach up and pull the white one out the bottom. So it looks a little bit less red and a little bit more white and a little bit less red and a little bit more white. Okay, don't pull it out too far. If you do, people are going to see that there are two handkerchiefs. Yeah. And, um, and give you sympathy applause. That's what they're going to do. So. If that happens, what you should do is take one of them and just kind of get, it, get rid of it. Put it out of the way. Take the other one. And what you want to do is push this one down in your hand. Squeeze it nice and tightly. And do your best to create the illusion that it changes into a white handkerchief. That's what you should do. Make it look a little bit less red and a little more white. A little less red, a little more white. After a while, it might look as if the entire red handkerchief changes to white. And if that happens, people will cheer and clap their hands. It's amazing. <laughs> So now that you all know how to do that trick and know that there's these things that are just illusions, I can share with you something different. You see, back there in Deuteronomy, Moses told these Israelites, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fast forward 1,500 years. If you look in your Bible to Matthew 22, it's at this point that Jesus repeats those words that we first heard 1,500 years prior in Deuteronomy 6. In fact, Matthew 22, verse 36, Jesus is approached... And he's asked the question. Remember, we've talked about these different commandments, things that we're supposed to obey. And Moses had said, yes, we have the commandments, but also love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So Jesus here, he repeats and amplifies that. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we understand that we can make those choices, that we can choose to follow God, but not just choose him, but to say if we're really going to follow the greatest commandment, what that means is that our lives have to be changed. We have to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. What does that look like? What does that look like to love him with all that we are? See, here's the thing. In life, sometimes there are things that we want to do. We want to make choices about who we are. So we might choose to do something like lose weight. So imagine for a moment that you have a friend and this friend comes to you and says, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And you say, hey, that's great to say, but do you have a plan for this? And they say, yes, I have a plan for this. Here's what I'm going to do. I am no longer drinking sugary soda. I'm giving up candy I'm going to cut down on my portion sizes. I'm going to only eat healthy things. I'm going to eat more fruits, more vegetables. That's what I'm going to do. And you say, hey, that's awesome. That sounds fantastic. So they came to you Friday. And now a couple days later, here it is on Sunday. You see that person at church and you say, hey, how's it going? Are you doing well? And they say, well, I gave up the diet. You say, what do you mean you gave up the diet? When they say, well, Friday, I followed all the rules. I ate super healthy. I didn't have anything extra. Saturday, we even went to a birthday party. I didn't have cake. I was so good. I followed all the rules. And this morning, I stepped on the scale and I did not lose 30 pounds. 
And you would say, well, of course you don't, because you, you have to actually have that discipline for a little longer period than two days if you want that kind of results. Or imagine that I told you guys that next weekend I was going to run a marathon. And you asked me, how's your training going? And I said, well, I've never actually ran more than a mile before. You would laugh because you would say, that's kind of foolish. You, you need to actually train and build up for this. Or if I told you that one day I was going to retire a millionaire and you asked me, how much money have I saved? And I said, well, I've never saved anything. You say, well, if you want to do that, you actually have to start saving money and put a little bit away and a little bit more and a little bit more. And after 30, 40 years, maybe you'll have money saved. You see, we realize those things in the physical world, the financial world, but we don't often pay attention to the fact that it's the same is true for us spiritually and in our relationships as well. You see, if we want to have this love for our Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not just that we go to some great conference or we go to some great retreat and we have one weekend of an amazing experience and everything, all of a sudden we have this perfect relationship. You see, it does begin with us making a decision to follow Jesus and through him our salvation is secure. We're set free from our sin. But it's just like my wife and I, we've been married for 16 years, since July 27th, 2001. We were at a church, there were people there, our pastor was there, we signed papers, we said I do, we were officially married. But if we were to act like that's all it takes to now have a good marriage is, hey, 16 years ago we stood in front of people and we said we loved each other and said I do, and that's all we've ever done to build on the strength of our marriage, you would think, that's not a good plan. You see, you would say if you really love each other and your desire is to have a close relationship, you actually have to build on that every single day. And every single day you're going to make choices about how you're going to treat that person that you say you love so much. And if you're going to make choices that build up that relationship or tear it down. And see, the same is true for our relationship with Christ. We can say, I've accepted Jesus. I've been forgiven of my sins. But now, if we're going to follow that command to say, and now I love him with all my heart, soul, and mind, then is there a life change that follows through? Every day do we begin to see things happen in our life as a result of that love. I want to give you guys one last illustration this morning. Um, I need a couple strong guys. How about, uh, yes, sir, you look like, and right over here in the orange. You know, we're going to need a couple more strong guys. How about uh, right here in the green flip-flops? Those look like strength shoes to me. And right behind you, come on up here. Uh, you two gentlemen can join me on this side. What are your names? Brown, Joel. Joel and... Braylon, and then Ramsey, and what's your name, sir? Ryan. Ryan. It's not going to be three against one. Come over here, Ryan. This is going to be better. Ryan and Ramsey, Braylon and Joel. You guys feeling strong today? Good. Come a little bit closer. I want you guys to place your hands out toward each other like this. A little bit closer, just like that. Now, I have something um, today that you guys may have never seen before. I might even have to explain what they are. In fact, what I brought along for you guys to see today are these pages from a phone book. You see, long ago, we used to have to open these big books and look for people's names in these tiny letters to be able to call them. It was a crazy thing. You guys are going to help me. Come a little bit closer. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place this one over here. I want you to hold on to both those two edges right there, right about here. Perfect, Braylon and Joel. Ramsey and Ryan, is that correct? Yes, I want you guys to hold on to this page right here, right over there. Excellent. And we're going to do one more on top and then another one over here. So hold on to that one. Hold on to this one over here for you guys. One over here. That makes three and three, four 
and four. On the count of three, I want to see if they can pull these pages apart. Are you ready? One, two, three. Pull them apart. No, 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 no. That was not the reaction we expected, okay? You are supposed to be amazed that these four strong gentlemen were able to separate eight pages from a phone book. But of course, that wouldn't really be that amazing because you'd say they're pretty flimsy pages. It's not that impressive. But what would happen if if we did something different? You see, I'm from Colorado. I'm from Denver. And um, in Denver, we have some big phone books, at least we used to. Believe me, they were hard to find. But I found these um, two phone books. And I thought, what happens if instead of just using eight pages, we use all the pages in a phone book? And so we took one phone book over here and put down a page and then one from this side and did another one and another one and another one until we ended up with this. So we're going to test your strength one more time. So Braylon and Joel, I want you to hold on right there on the edge just like that. Right there. Yep, get it on the edge nice and strong. Same thing on this guy, Raylan, Raylan and Ryan. On the count of three, I want you guys to pull it apart. Don't pull each other over. Don't fall down. Here we go. One, two, three. Just pull it apart just like that. Just Okay, that's a, you rip the page. Not, we want you to separate the books. Now, separate the books. Just pull them apart nice and just pull them all apart. It's, okay, you can let go. That's good. That's good. You ripped the cover off. That's impressive. If you can't pull them all apart, just pull one. That works good. There you go. Not quite able to pull them apart, but that's okay. You guys still gave it a great effort. Could you give these four a big round of applause? You guys can head it right back down. You see, here's the interesting thing. A while back, I was uh, watching this show on TV. You've probably heard of it called The Mythbusters. And on that show, they talked about how they had heard this rumor that if you put two phone books together like this, it was really hard to pull them apart. And so they wanted to find out, what does it take And so they did the same thing. They took two phone books and laid one page down, then another, then another, then another, until all of the pages were together just like this. And then after they had done that, they put a person on one side and one on the other, and they pulled on it, and they couldn't separate. So instead of just getting four strong guys, they actually got ten guys on one side, ten on the other. They attached a clamp to this book, one to that book, and they started pulling to see if the books could be separated. And they still couldn't separate the phone books. And so they began to ask the question, what would it actually take to pull these pages apart just like you guys did when there were only eight pages? If it was that easy and it's still just thin pages, nothing special, no trick to it, what would it take to pull them apart? Well, they finally figured out what it might take. So Mr. Roman's going to show you guys a video. Check out what it actually takes to pull two phone books apart. Here's where we stand so far. Jamie and I got word that interleaving the pages of two phone books yielded something incredibly strong. Does this remind you of when you used to count money for the mob? I was a hitman. I wasn't a money counter. <laughs> so we did it, and we tugged on them. We couldn't separate them. <laughs> we got ten friends together. They couldn't separate them. <laughs> we got two cars, and still, those phone books wouldn't be separated. But we're not going to leave it there. We went out and found a couple of tanks. Behind me is 30 tons of military steel, 650 horsepower. Are they going to separate the phone books at this point? I have no idea. But I do know that something is going to happen. So it's the 14-ton, 300-horsepower M113A1 fire support vehicle. 
551 Sheridan, also known as the Death Stalker, which packs a healthy 350 horsepower and weighs in at 15 tons versus two phone books. I was trying to make a phone call. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> the question is, can the pages take the pressure? If this doesn't separate the phone books, I'd call them effectively unseparatable. I think so. All right, let's see what happens. Ah, I love the smell of diesel in the morning. Okay, go ahead and pull slack. With the lightest of touches on the throttle, the tanks ease delicately apart. The careful positioning not reflected by the force gauge needle. That's 1,000 pounds of force so far. With the slack taken up, Jamie signals the start. 30 tons of mighty military machines slowly begin to move in opposite directions. And the force gauge climbs quickly. But the courageous phone books, you couldn't call them yellow, hang on for all their work. Oh, it separated. It worked. The same pages, those thin little pages that we just put four of them together, eight of them, and pulled them apart. You can see once you put all of them together, it took two tanks to pull it apart. And see, when I think about that, I think that is so much like our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? We talked about those things that if we truly make a decision and we really want it, we really want to lose weight, we really want to run a marathon, we have to actually have the discipline that follows through with it. And when we hear that command that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we say, I want that kind of relationship with God, then what does it take? See, I think just like when you see those pages of the phone book, what it really takes for us is to be consistent in those little things day after day after day. It's not just one big thing. Hopefully we have those experiences, those highlights, those marriage conferences, whatever it might be. But really it comes down to are we choosing every single day if we really love the Lord to spend time with him, to spend time in prayer, to spend time with other people who encourage us in our beliefs. See, way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a few verses that follow there. Moses kind of gives an outline of this when he first tells us that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and with all our strength. On verse 7 it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Pretty much what he's saying is, day in and day out and everything you do, this should be on your mind. When you're at home, when you're gone, when you wake up in the morning before you go to bed, is this relationship with God something that you're really caring about? It says, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. All those things, just simple things, saying consistently in all those things we do. Are we saying, you know what, when I make this decision, am I making this out of that desire to have that relationship and out of my love for God, saying I'm going to put him first in all that we do? See, that is something that we can do. And if we make those small decisions day after day after day, then it forms a relationship that as this world tries to tug us in other directions and say, maybe there's something else that you're missing out on. You just have to try this, that our relationship with him is so secure that nothing in this world could ever pull us away. Can I pray for you guys today? Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us, that you have an amazing plan for each and every one of us. I thank you for each person here, and, and I just pray, God, that we would all be reminded through every part of our day 
that our love for you can shine in all that we do. And it's all those little things that we do day after day, week after week, year after year, that continue to build a relationship with you that we know that you alone can satisfy more than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again for letting me be here with you this morning. I hope to see you tonight at 6.30. Thanks, guys. Would you please?